Um, yeah, I've been given this, obviously we're doing a series on enjoy life, um, and I'm aware when we talk about this, life isn't always feel enjoyable, we all go through things, you know, we've, we've got an expectation of what we think life is like, and then things happen, so, you know, I, I'm speaking today about enjoying life, but it doesn't necessarily mean circumstances are always enjoyable, does, does that make sense? Because life isn't always enjoyable. We don't always, you know, have feelings of happiness and, you know, we're trying to be content, but we have to learn to be content, Paul writes. So it's not always easy. What I'm talking about today, I wrestle through this myself as well, I'll be honest with you. Um, But I've found some things that I want to talk about today that I've found helpful in my life. I've found some truths that have helped me. So I was going to share some of them this morning. Is that okay? But I'm wrestling through this thing like you. We're enjoying life but we're enduring through life. Would you agree? And um, as we get older, as we get older, we find life has different challenges. I don't think you really think about it when you're young. You look forward of all the wonderful things and you don't really think about the future. But as you get older and your body starts to ache and there's things that start to happen and life doesn't become as enjoyable. Some of you are smiling at me. You're a little bit older, okay? But I believe you can still enjoy life even as we get older. Otherwise, what's the point? There is no hope. I believe God wants us to enjoy life no matter what age we're at. Okay, um, I'm going to share a scripture from John 10.10. It's a famous scripture that Jesus shares. He's talking to people, and he's talking in the context of um, shepherds. He's given an illustration of shepherds and sheep and watching over the sheep. And, but there's also a thief that comes to steal these sheep and rob them of the blessings of God. And he's actually talking to religious people who are actually standing in the way. What's happened is Jesus has healed a blind man. And the blind man has tried to go to the temple to get the blessings of the priests. And what's happened is he's gone to the synagogue. And the people are stopping him saying, well, who's healed you? And he said, Jesus And they've said, well, denied that Jesus has healed you because it's God that heals you. And they're not happy with Jesus that he's walking around and he's doing all these amazing things. And he says, if you don't deny him, you can't come in. Which is a sad day, I think, for the church when we're actually being forced or controlled or we're fearful of denying Jesus. So this is the context of this. And Jesus comes and he speaks to these people. And he he shares this from John 10.10. And it says this, the thief only comes to steal and kill, and destroy. I have come, this is Jesus, that they may have life. Somebody agrees with that over here. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come, Jesus, that they may have life and have it to the full. These are the words of Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus says. This is what Jesus promises. It's not what I'm promising. I'm preaching it this morning. I'm preaching the word of God. I'm preaching Jesus' words. He promises, but he makes us aware that there's a thief. He's actually talking to the people and he's saying, actually, the thief is working through you because you're standing at the gate and you're saying that they can't come into the house of God. They can't come into the teachings of God. They're not good enough to come in. And you're telling them actually to deny me, Jesus is saying. And Jesus says this. He says, I am the gate. I am the one who decides who comes in and who goes out, not you. And I am the one who offers life and life to the full. Does anybody want life to the full? You know, when we begin to get full, people notice. When life starts to fill up, when things start to get full, people notice. Why? Because it comes out. You know, anybody like food? 
Come on, there's a food eating group. You know, I think there's somebody who's just come, over, come back from Crete over here, and I think they were silent then because they've eaten too much. You know, you know when you go on holiday and you see the buffet and you're just hungry and you can have everything. Bon Pan Asia, everything. Have you ever been to one of those restaurants? Or have you been to a party and the spread's on? There's pizzas and you think, I'll just have one or two. And you have one, then you have two, and then you have three, then you have the garlic bread, then you have the nuts, then you have the crisps. Sorry, my wife can't eat all this stuff at the moment, so just put your fingers in your ears. You know, she's on a very low salt diet. She can't eat these things. But most people, they just keep filling and filling and filling and filling. What happens? You feel full. Sorry, have you seen that? It's not naturally like that. I've got the ability to blow out things, right? Yeah. You're laughing at over here. I think we need to split these people up and divide them into the church so they're not causing problems. But here's the deal. When you get full, most of us, we start eating and we start eating and actually you get to that point you think, I'm full. But the truth is you're actually full before you felt full. That's what they reckon. If you're feeling full, you're too full. Your stomach's expanding. But here's the deal. When a lady's pregnant, you notice when she's pregnant. It starts to fill out. You start to get bigger. Don't you? Too much food, not enough exercise. Too many calories going in, not enough burning up. Okay, I'll be honest with you. I'm on a journey. But here's the deal. When, when you start to fail, something starts to come out. Would you agree? Jesus says, I offer life and life to the full. The word here, full, means this. Not just full, but overflowing. In other words, when you get contagious, or when, sorry, when you get full, it gets contagious. It starts to overflow. It starts to come out. Can I just tell you about Jesus? Why? Because it's in here and I need to tell you about him. It's in here and he's filled me to the fullness of God. Now it's overflowing out of my life. I want to do this. What can I do? How can I help? What's happening? You're full of God. Are you hearing me? Because it's full. You're full of God and what do I do with this now? Because you're full of God. You're not full of self. You're full of God. I want to do, I want to help. How can I help? Where can I go? What do I do? Who's there? I'm available. I'm here. Why? Because I'm full of God. Sorry, this is challenging some of us this morning. It challenges me. There's times when I get empty because I'm not spending time with Jesus. I'm not filling myself up with God. I'm doing it in my own strength. But when I go to God and I go to his truth and I study his word and I spend time with him, his spirit fills me, it starts to overflow and I have energy. I'm ready to do it because I'm full of God. You see, does God fill us? Somebody agreed with that at the back. I think that was Mike Sice and I heard his voice. Does God fill us? Does he fill us overflowing? Does, does God have more than enough or enough or not quite enough? He has more than enough. He's an overflowing God. He's not a, let me just give you a little bit. He's an abundance He's a God of an abundance. He's a God of blessing. He doesn't just give you a small amount. He wants to resource you for life and life to the full or life that overflows. But it comes when we go to God. It beco- it go- when we go to God and surrender our lives to God and open, give him our hearts, he renews our hearts. He begins to restore us. And all of a sudden, something, we were singing this morning, a deep wow. Something begins to burst up. Something begins to come out. I need to do something with it because what God's done in my heart. 
We don't do it. God does it. We open our hearts and make ourselves available and God puts a seed in us. God plants his word in our hearts and then his spirit begins to water and his spirit begins to fill us and it begins to flow out of our lives. God is a God of overflow. But if you don't believe that, you won't believe what God can do in and through you. You know, is God a fulfiller of his word? Did God promise a savior? And did he fulfill his promise? See, God is a fulfiller. He's not a half filler. He's a fulfiller. He's an overflower filler. He's a fulfiller of his word. He's a fulfiller of his promise. And if he says, I'll fill you, he says he'll fill you. But he won't just fill you. It'll overflow out of your life. Are you believing this? Is God a fulfiller? God is a fulfiller and a filler beyond fulfilling. He fulfills and fulfills what he says. He's a fill, fill, filler and a fulfiller of everything he says he'll do. So if God says he'll fill you, God says he'll fill you. So the only one who's going to stop us being filled is who? Us. It's like a tap that's ready to be turned on, but we go, mm, don't quite. I hear what he's saying. He's quite excited, but I don't really want to believe that. We struggle with unbelief. We struggle with wrong thinking. Oh, it happens for him at the front. No, no, no. It's for the body of Christ. We're here to be on a mission. We're here to be sent and empowered to be resourced with God's word and God's spirit so we can go and be a witness. So there's an overflow in our workplace. There's an overflow in our families. There's an overflow in our streets. Why? Because God's overflowing. He's the God of overflow. He's the God of fullness. He's the God of abundance. He's the fulfiller. He's a fulfiller and a fulfiller beyond fulfilling. Hmm. Is he not? Come on, God wants to fill you this morning, guys. Is God merciful? He's full of... Mercy. How much mercy? Full of mercy. He's full of mercy. Well, you don't know what I've done in my past. Yeah, but God is full of mercy, and his mercy covers your sins. Wow. See, I'm still struggling with the tap business up here. Is the blood of Jesus washing all my sins? Am I free and liberated by Jesus Christ because he's forgiven all my sins? Because God is merciful. He's full of mercy. Let the fullness of God, let the mercy of God wash through your heart, wash through your mind. Let the word of God teach you, but let the spirit of God enlighten you and bring it alive. Is God graceful? Do we deserve it? No. Graceful means I don't deserve it, but he gives me favor anyway. That means I'm excited. Yeah? Who's the fulfiller? God. Who's the overflower? Who's the merciful one? Who's the graceful one? He's full of grace. He's full of mercy. He's full of truth. And he wants to teach you the truth that you are a child of God. You are loved more than anything. He adores you. He paid the price for your sins. He wants to equip you and resource you with his truth and with his spirit so that you can be a child of God, be secure in this world, be full of God. So how do we do this? Can you, I get what you're saying, Paul. It's really excited. The first thing I want to say, this is something I have learned. It's, it, it's, it's, you know, there are other things you can do, but this is one thing I believe I've learned. It's this, learn to be thankful. Learn, it's a, it, we have to learn it. I went to a birthday party yesterday, my nine-year-old nephew, they're going on holiday tomorrow. There's three little kids, nine, six, and seven. My brother and his wife are going. The first time they've been on an airplane, they are full of excitement. 
Uncle Paul, we're going to play tomorrow. We're going tomorrow. And that's how she talks, is it not? That's how she talks. I think I got three words, right? Uncle, well, Uncle Paul, aeroplane, right? That's what I got. She's full of excitement. But then we gave gifts and you know, small little gifts are given out. And the little nine-year-old, he sits there. His name's Noah. And he's having his gifts. And after he opens them and he's delighted, he's, he's excited. He gets his gifts. And then after, do you know what he did? He came around and he said, Uncle Paul, thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Then he went to Auntie Sarah. Auntie Sarah, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. You know, actually, I think he was kind of directed to do it. But that's beside the point because we need to teach children to do it. Just like we need to learn to give thanks. Oh, I'm supposed to thank. Yeah, you're supposed to thank. Why? Because the greatest gift has been given on earth. His name is Jesus Christ. He offers forgiveness of sins. We don't earn it. That's what grace is. It's the gift of God. So we need to learn to be thankful. I'm thankful today to Jesus that my sins are forgiven. I'm thankful that he's promised, that God promises that I will live forever. Wow. I've got to generate thankfulness in my heart. I know the dog's ill. I know there's a problem in your marriage. I know there's stuff going on. I know there's problems at work. I know that relationship's rubbing up the wrong way. But here's the deal. Go back to Jesus and give thanks for what Jesus has done. Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. Let your heart be filled through faith as you fix your eyes on Jesus and begin to give thanks for what Jesus has done. Psalm 100 verse 4 says this. Enter. How do we get in? Enter his gates. Jesus preaching to these guys, he said, I am the gate. I am the shepherd. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. How do we enter? How do we, how do we appreciate and receive what God has done? We come humbly before God. We listen to the word of God. We listen to Jesus Christ and we humble ourselves and we accept God's truth in our lives. We receive the gospel and we give thanks for what God has given to us. That's the first step. But it must be done with faith. You can't say, oh, I'm just, oh I'll give thanks. No, no, no. It's faith in Jesus Christ you're doing it. It's faith that Jesus died for you. It's faith that his blood paid the price that you could enter into the presence of God. It's not just some, oh, I'll take it for granted, I'm entitled to it. No, it cost him everything. So it's worth giving thanks for because it cost him everything. Do you see the difference now? Wow, Jesus paid everything for me. Yet he paid everything. How much did the gift cost that Jesus got me eternal life? Everything. You see, if you really receive this gift that God offers you, something should begin to overflow from here. So in church, no offense, it's not a quiet time in church, I've got to be honest. It's an overflow time. This is not, this is not I'm going to listen to God quietly. This is an overflow church. So if you're not quietly giving thanks privately over here in your house... There's a chance it's not going to come out in the overflow over here. I'll tell if you're giving thanks because it'll overflow in here. Woo, come on. But if you go over here and say, God, I want to thank you today. It's not about what people think. It's not about my fear of people. It's about what I think of you. And I want to thank you that you died for me. And I want to talk to you and thank you. This is a personal relationship with you, Jesus. So when I come into the presence of people, this is what happens. Fear. What do people think of me? What are you full of? Is the seed of fear ruling your life? Fear of people. Fear of what people think. Because if it is, fear will grow and it will fill your life where you actually never enter into the fullness of what God has for you. 
because you've been ruled by fear. And fear will fill you, fill you so you become fearful. And God says, what do you believe? Do you believe in me? Or will you deny me? And this guy in the Bible, he was blind and he went to the gate and he tried to get in. And he said, if, unless you deny Jesus, you won't get in. And he's like, I can't deny Jesus because Jesus is, my eyes were, I'm blind, but now I can see. How can I deny what Jesus has done? I now see. I cannot deny Jesus Christ. Do you see Jesus Christ? Have you opened your heart to Jesus and do you see Jesus Christ? And do you want to enter into the gate and come into the house of God and come into the presence of God so you can experience the fullness of what God has for you? It starts with thankfulness. It starts with changing an attitude that's not good to an attitude of gratitude because what Jesus did. How's your attitude this morning? I'm sure you're here because I hear the praise in this house. I'm sure you're here to give thanks. Amen. Else you wouldn't be here. Let's create a culture of, of agreement where we all come together to give thanks. Not because the pastor's telling you, oh, I've got to give thanks. No, it comes out of relationship and your love for God. It comes because Jesus died for you on the cross. And he didn't deny you when he could have said, you know what? I'm not up for this today, God. He didn't say that. He said, not my will, but your will, Father. And he denied the people, but he acknowledged God. And he said, I acknowledge you, God, and I will do your will, and I will die for you. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. And then it says, and his courts with praise. You see, this word thanksgiving, this means, right? This is what it means, an offering. So what God has done in your life, bring an offering of thanks. That's what it means. So when we gather together, bring an offering of thanks. Today is my offering of thanksgiving because what Jesus Christ has done. And there are many distractions, there are many experiences, there are many things, circumstances and feelings and, you know, negative things that are happening. But listen, come to church and focus your eyes on Jesus Christ and begin to give thanks because what Jesus has done. Secondly, it says praise him. Basically, this word means this, an extension of your harm. I'm looking up to you, Jesus. And then this is what this does. When we focus on God in praise, we acknowledge him for who he is and we realize that God is God. And then it changes our perspective because we look at our circumstances and think, these ain't now compared to my God. That looked bad, but actually compared to my God and his promises and his eternity that I'm secure in, this is just a temporary thing that I'm going through. That's what praise does. Thanksgiving gets us into the presence of God because we don't do it in our own strength. We're thankful for the blood of Jesus that gets us through and gets us into the presence of God. We don't do it in our own strength. We don't do it by making our, our, ourselves a better person. We come as we are and Jesus makes us right through the blood of Jesus. It's liberating. Get away from religion trying to do things in your own strength. Worrying about what people think of you. What about this and what about that? I'm not good enough. It's just religion, church. Jesus said, I am the gate. I decide who comes in. Come to me. I have made a way. I come to Jesus. And then I begin to focus on God. And I begin to focus on the wonders of God and the majesty of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God. And then I begin to realize how wonderful he is. It elevates me and I see things differently. Are you still with me? You see, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says this. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory. Where? Through the gate. Through Jesus Christ. Where's your victory going to come through? Through Jesus. Through the word of God. You want to be an overcomer? See what Jesus says and follow his principles. And I'll guarantee you'll come through. Your victory comes through Jesus Christ this morning. Anybody want a victory? Jesus is calling you to overcome. 
You see, grace is, sorry, God is full of grace. He's full of mercy. We've got so much to be thankful for, have we not? We need to fill our hearts with thanksgiving so that it begins to fill us up and overflow of the, of the gratitude of what God's done in our lives. It starts with learning to be thankful. Second thing I believe we can do is discover that our life is purposeful. So we give thanks and we enjoy the presence of God. We enjoy the blessings of God, the goodness of God. But God hasn't just put us here to enjoy his presence. God has put us here because we've got purpose. Do you believe you've got purpose in your life this morning? One or two people? Can you say, my life has value? Come on. Definitely, somebody says. Is your life purposeful this meaning, or are you just existing in this world, not quite sure, wandering like a lost sheep, no one, wondering why I'm here, or do you know that you're a child of God, you've, you're, you're, the price for your life has been paid for, and you have a purpose, not just to enjoy life, but to enjoy God and enjoy people, and love people. You see, your life is purposeful. John 10, 11 to 13 says this. This is Jesus a little bit further on. I am the good shepherd. I think there's enough, enough in that just to rest that God is good and he wants to shepherd your life. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. You see, the enemy here in this example, he cares nothing for sheep. Let's say your sheep, you're one of those sheep. The enemy cares nothing for your life, he thinks you're nothing. He wants to kill you, destroy you, rob you. He wants to take from you. He doesn't want you to live the fulfilled life that Jesus promises. He doesn't want your life to overflow. He just wants to keep it quiet over here where it's not really happening. What's this doing? I don't know. Are you hearing it? He doesn't want your life to overflow. He just wants you to just, you know, tap into a little bit of resource. But as long as you don't get any power from heaven... He's really happy. As long as you don't worship wholeheartedly, he's really happy. He hates worship. He hates people loving God. He hates the expression of God in here coming out. He wants to rob your life. But God wants it to come out. God wants to, what's in here, what you believe to come out. He doesn't want to keep it down. He wants to release you and empower you so that you can enjoy life and life to the full, does he not? But the enemy wants to rob you. Why? Because he cares nothing. He cares nothing. I read that and I thought, you know what? A little play on words here. What does he care for? Nothing. What does he want put in your head? That you're nothing. What does he want to tell you? That you are nothing. That you have no value, no worth. He wants to put seeds in your life. He wants to create, ex he wants to create circumstances that make you feel rejected and abandoned and no good. Why? Because he cares for nothing. That's his job, make you nothing. 
You're nothing. You're not important. You've got no value. See, they don't love you. See, they don't care. Why bother? Why keep doing that? Are you hearing this? That's what he cares for. But what does God care for? Does God care for nothing? No. God cares for you. How do we know that? Because he sent his one and only son to die on a cross. That's how we know God cares and loves us because he sent his son. And we can fix our eyes on many things, circumstances that come and go and, you know, pain that we go through, loss that we go through, you know, and we have to work through all of that and not ignore what we're going through. But the best thing we can do is to fix our eyes on the cross and fix our eyes on Jesus and says, who says, I died for you. I am the good shepherd that lays down my life. Look at what I've done for you. This is how much I love you. This is how much I value you. This is how much purpose and meaning you add. You know, God can create something out of nothing. Amen? God can create something out of nothing. So who thinks they're nothing? God can create something out of me. Who's got thoughts of nothingness? Let God speak into your nothingness. Who thinks your marriage is not going to work? Let God speak into it. Who thinks you're not good at relationships? Let God breathe into it. Who thinks you're not good at your job you do? Let God breathe into it. Because God creates something out of nothing. And if you've got thoughts of nothingness, don't let the thief rob you anymore. Say, I'm not being robbed anymore of nothingness. I know where that's come from. I've heard the truth. My God cares for me. He loves me. He doesn't abandon me. He's laid down his life for me. He's the good shepherd. See, when we begin to give thanks and begin to praise God, it begins to lift our hearts and our spirits and we begin to, begin to come alive in Christ Jesus. Because we've come through the gates, we're in Christ and we can give him thanks. Who's thinking nothing this morning? The enemy cares for nothing. That is his job, to put nothingness in you. I'm just being honest. Are you still with me? I feel like there's a nothingness in the room now. <laughs> it's a good job God can speak into nothing. You see, what do we do to find purpose? Well, first of all, we have to do what we feel God has put in our hearts, and we have to discover that. We have to be faithful with, God, with what God has given us. What has God given you in your life? What gift, what talent, what people in your world has God given you to love? And it's our job to be faithful with what God has given us. You see, the enemy's job is to sow seeds of fear and seeds of doubt. So that we become doubtful. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I don't know if I'm very good at this anymore. And doubt begins to grow, and doubt begins to fill us, and then out of that fullness of doubt, we make silly decisions. We leave church, we leave marriages, we 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 walk away. And I'm not saying sometimes it's you know right to do those things, but hear my heart. We do it out of a wrong spirit. We do it of our spirit being full of fear and full of doubt and full of pain, rather than full of God. You see, when we're faithful, we go back to God and we apply the word of God in our lives, not just our experiences, our feelings. We become faithful people who are committed and dedicated and devoted and going the extra mile or laying their lives down like Jesus did. You see, when we persevere through the pain and the suffering and the brokenness of what we're dealing with on them, this is what it does. It creates good character in us. What does good character bring? Hope. 
Wow, they got through it. And look what mess they were in. Oh, they can get through it. I can get through it. But they got through it. What does that do? It brings hope. It brings hope to you, and it brings hope to your family, and it brings hope to this community. Therefore, we become full of hope because we persevered through the battle, through the difficulties. What are you going through right now that's trying to put doubt in your mind? Saying that God, God, see, God doesn't care for you. God's not with you. God's not for you. Because if that, God would have sorted that out, don't let doubt take root. Say, no, 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 I, I, this is what I'm going through. I'm going to remain faithful to my God. I'm going to fill my life with faith. I'm going to be faithful. Therefore, when I push through and get the other side, wow, God gave me the victory. Now I'm full of hope. That's character. Don't give in. Push through. Persevere. I know it's hard. I know, there's, I know there's pain. I know there's doubt. I know there's suffering. I know you might wonder why this is happening in your life, some of you. Here's the deal. God says, stick in there. Don't you give in, child. I didn't give in for you. I remained on the cross. I took the nails. I took the beatings for you. Stick in there. Don't give in. You can do it. Come on. Come through. Bring your pain. Come to me. Jesus says, I'll heal you. Jesus will heal you and restore you and put you back. Learn to be thankful. Discover that your life is purposeful. Jesus died for you. That's how much value he puts on your life. Let God speak into the nothingnesses of your life where you don't think good about yourself. Go to the word of God and what Jesus says about you. Let him speak into that nothingness. Because what the world's done to you, what people have done to each other, what we've done to ourselves, let God breathe into that nothingness and restore it. God can bring something out of nothingness. Amen? And my last point is this. To live a fulfilled life, be careful. You say, what? Be careful of what, Paul? It's just a play on words. God wants us to care for one another. God wants to fill our lives so we can love one another. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. He said, the man runs away because why? He has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. We're not to be like the hired hands in it for our own self. We're here to to be for others now. You give your life to Christ, you're then giving your life to the body of Christ. I'm here to look out for the body of Christ and look out for one another. You know, how how full are you of care? I gotta be honest, I'm not great at this one. You know, I'm so busy running ahead and thinking of myself sometimes and I forget actually this is not about me, this is about actually other people. I have to stop sometimes and you know, spend time with Sarah and think and talk and actually I've forgotten where I'm going and what I'm doing and come back, back to what matters, what matters, that we love one another. That's what matters. Does she feel loved? Sometimes she does, sometimes she doesn't. But I have to go again and say, okay, let's go again. Do I feel loved? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. We make mistakes. But what's the most important thing? Is to love one another. Do we care for one another? Do we consider one another? Do you care for people in this church? I don't know. Do you serve people in this church because you love Jesus and you love people? You know, God will put some people in your world, some people on your heart that you need to care for. It's our response to that. Because what that is about, it's about we're made in the image of God and God has made us in his image, which is love. So when we love people, we actually find purpose. We find satisfaction. We find fulfillment because we're living out the the way in which God has designed us. We're here to love because that's the way God has made us. 
You know, Philippians 4 verse 6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and use that word again, thanksgiving. So you're concerned about things, you're anxious about things. What do you do? Go to God. Present your request to God. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says this, Cast all, all, how much anxiety have you got this morning? Cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. You know, I've got, I've got to admit, sometimes I have anxiety. Sometimes I struggle with things. Sometimes I worry about things that I don't need to worry about. What I've learned is if I bring it to God and talk to God, I've found that they actually get answered before I've even solved the problem. And I forgot, I've left God out the equation and forgot that I can actually bring it to God and give it to God first. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know, sometimes it's not easy to do this because we're in pain and suffering and we're going through things. But I do believe it's the right thing to do and it's the best thing to do. To go to God first Tell him your suffering, tell him your pain, tell him your frustrations. You know, I, I said to the team a, you know, a few years back, I think there's three ways in which we deal with our own pastoral problems. Number one, we deal with it privately. So I deal with it in myself and with God. I think that's the best way to deal with it. Talk to God about it. Solve a million problems in this world if we did that. The second way you can do it is personally. So private, do it between you and God. Get your baggage out, talk to him, offload it, tell him how you feel. The second one, talk to someone who's close to you. Not the world, not Facebook. It really won't help. Talk to someone who you can trust, who you know cares for you and listens for you. Not to tell you what to do, not to preach at you, just will listen to you and care for you. Privately, between you and God, because he cares for you. Secondly, someone personal in your life will listen to you. Third one, where you don't really want it to go is publicly. You're spilling all your mess out into the world. And then you feel rubbish after. No, no, no. Privately, do it with God. Personally, do it with someone you can trust. And thirdly, if you have to publicly, but you don't really want to do it publicly, that's when it's all overflowing out of your life. 1 Corinthians 13, 2 to 3 says this. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, which all sound great, do they not? It sounds good to have gifts and God wants us to be gifted. He wants us to have talents. He wants us to have all these things in this world. He wants us to be successful. And then it says, if I have faith that I can move mountains, but do not have love. There you go. What are we? Nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, what do I gain? Nothing. Yeah, but I'm doing well. I've got all this stuff and look at what I'm doing with my life and how I'm doing. And, you know, I've got all this stuff. I've got gifts. I've got prophecy. I can tell you everything. I can do all this stuff. But if I do not have love, then I'm nothing. If I don't have love, if I don't care for people, then it's nothing. But if I have love, it's everything. If I have God, it's more than enough. If it's God, he's going to fulfill me. If I know God's love and I love like God loves, I'm going to find purpose in this world because that's what he sent you here to do. I'm going to read an old... Are you still with me this morning? Does anybody feel nothing? 
Because if you feel nothing, God offers you love. God wants to fill your heart with love, your mind with love, and tell you how much you are loved as a child of God. Let him speak into areas of your life where you feel like nothing. You know, I, I recently pulled up at the church one, I think it was a Sunday morning, and I looked at the hedge, and there was sparrows in the hedge. And they were just kind of, you know how sparrows, you don't notice them very often. There's millions of them, but you just don't notice them. And all of a sudden, I looked at these sparrows, and they were bobbing in and out of the hedge. It's like they were playing on a Sunday morning about half seven, bobbing in and out and bobbing in and out of the hedge. And then just as I look at, look at them, I thought, this, this is like me. Just then enjoying life and having fun. But actually, if I need God, I can just go into the hedge and find protection because he loves me. And that was an impression of these sparrows, which I care really nothing about, if I'm honest. Now, I dare run a sparrow. You know when you nearly run a bird over? I'm like, oh my word. Slow down, birds. I've gone really sensitive towards sparrows. So here's, the, I want to read this. It's an old hymn. Many of you will know it. It says, his eye is on the sparrow. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion. My constant friend he is. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow. I'm not going to sing it. And I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow. For I know he watches. Let not your heart be troubled. His tender word I hear. And resting on his goodness, I loose my doubts and fears. Come on. Though the path he leadeth but one step I may see. We all like to see where we're going, don't we? Well, we just look down and we just take one step at a time. His eyes on the sparrow, I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eyes on the sparrow, I know he watches me. Whenever I am tempted, whenever clouds arise... When songs give place to sighing, my hope within me dies. I draw closer to him. From care, he sets me free. Jesus loves you more than anything. Jesus died for you. Do you know that this morning? Can I encourage you this week? Whenever you have difficulties, whenever you think life's not throwing things at me, you can enjoy life by going to Jesus. You can talk to him. You can tell him. Why? Because he cares for you. He loves you. You know, what is the fruit of, being, of Jesus in our lives? What fruit should come? What should overflow out of our lives? Love and care, but peace. Wow, I'm at peace. Rest. I can rest in the presence of God. I don't need to even achieve anything. I don't have to work for anything to, to, to be made right, I can rest. That is the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. It brings peace. Therefore, we become peaceful in our lives. The second fruit that we see is joyful. We become full of joy. How does this happen? How, how can I become joyful? How, I, I hear what you're saying, but how does it happen? How does this work? Romans 15 verse 13 for me explains how this works. It says, now may God, can I just ask, when is that going to happen? Is that tomorrow or now? Some of us think, oh, it'll happen tomorrow. No, it can happen now. It can happen today. It can happen in this meeting if you've never experienced or known God and the hope that he offers this morning. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing 
with uncontainable joy. Sorry, I get excited about that. Can you tell? I mean, if it's really joyful, you won't be able to contain it, that says. You, you won't be able to keep it in because you so much joy. It's uncontainable. Who does it? God. God fills you with hope and it overflows. It's uncontainable. And perfect peace. As you trust in him. And, here we ready. May the power of the Holy Spirit. See, how are you going to overcome? How are you going to get through? How are you going to have eternity with God? By the power of the Holy Spirit. How are, you made, how are you redeemed by God? By the power of the Holy Spirit. How are you made right with God? By the power of the Holy Spirit. We hear the truth and we become full of truth. We hear truth, we become truthful because what Jesus has done. But it's the power of the Holy Spirit that enlightens that truth in our lives. And we go, wow, I've been set free. Wow, I've been made right. Who does it? The Holy Spirit. God's spirit on earth works God's truth, God's promise. Can we just read the last bit of that? Holy Spirit, continually surround your life with his superabundance. I like that. Until you radiate. Radiate with hope. It comes out of your eyes. It comes out of your skin. Your face looks different when the Holy Spirit comes into your life and fills you with hope. You know, I became a Christian because I met some guys from Africa. They were on a missionary trip here. And I looked at them. They lived in a mud hut. They, they had nothing. They... they, they the, the clothes on their back was pretty much it. People were giving them gifts because they hardly had anything. But as I spent two days with them, this is what I thought. What is it that you have that I don't have? You have nothing. You don't have stuff. You, you don't have money. I have, I'll say money, I didn't have much money. I had a car, I had a job, I had a house. A lot of debt, I know, Sarah. You know, I, I, and... I had nothing. I thought I had something. They had nothing, but they had something. What was that something that they had? When I looked at them, they were at peace. When I looked at them, they had a joy that was in their lives. And I thought, that is what I want. I want that. And I'm willing to give up my stuff if I can just get that. What is it you have and how do I get it? Eventually we got to and they said it's Jesus Christ and I ended up in Africa. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. He filled me with his spirit. He liberated me from my, my sin, my sinfulness, my fearfulness, my doubtfulness. It removed itself out as God filled me heart, my heart with his peace and his joy and his empowerment to come home and do what I'm here to do now. Who does that? Jesus Christ. Jesus has made a way. He's the gate. You can come to him at any time. Why? Because he cares for you. He wants to empower you in your trial, in your difficulties. And sometimes you might not feel joy. But he wants to empower you to overcome through your challenges.